The following podcast contains real-life paranormal experiences, so please listen with care. Today, I am joined by Tammy. I first met Tammy when I interviewed her for my other podcast last year. She's a costume designer by day and a paranormal investigator by night. She's also the co-host of the podcast Holly Weird Paranormal. I think some spirits were with us when we recorded because my equipment was going haywire. So please excuse the glitches. Thanks for chatting with me, Tammy. I learned a lot from you. Now on to the interview. Hey, Tammy. Welcome to Beyond the Gravestone. Thanks for being here. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So I'm a big fan of your TikTok account, and I've been listening to your podcast with my mom. When did you start getting interested to the paranormal or were you a creepy kid like me? Absolutely. I was a creepy kid like you and I grew up in a very creepy city, New Orleans, Louisiana. Oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a very haunted city. And growing up, I just knew it. I knew and you, you know, you feel it. And like you had those sensitivities. I had those sensitivities too. And I would walk into an old building and I just knew there was something very off about it. Yeah, just like so weird. Yeah. <laughs> and I was all about the weird. <laughs> Can you describe to me what a paranormal investigator is and what they do? How long have you been doing this or how did you get into it? Well, I have been a paranormal investigator for seven years. And what a paranormal investigator is or what they do, it's a person who pretty much studies paranormal phenomenon, hauntings and other psychical phenomenon that we can't explain. And what that person tries to do is find an explanation for hauntings and poltergeists or things that go bump in the night. And what they tend to do is either create groups and dis- or discussion boards where we could try to find those explanations for those said phenomenon. Hmm. That's like so weird. Like I just. Know. <laughs> try like, try telling people your friends or strangers what you do when you're asked so what do you do uh costume designer by day paranormal investigator by night what <laughs> yes. oh well that's different yes, yes. it's a good icebreaker <laughs> how do you usually go about your investigations I usually approach them with great ethics of course try to do my research try to make sure that uh, whatever location has the said phenomenon of hauntings is to figure out what is truly behind the hauntings and to see if I can get any sort of permission to approach that location with, uh, well, with a, a go, I guess you can say. Always great to get permission before setting foot on any location that you plan on investigating. But your research is most important to doing an investigation doing your homework, studying the location, the geography of the place, and of course, doing interviews. So what I like to do is go based off of accounts. You pretty much have to play an investigator. And what I mean by accounts is people who've had unusual experiences that they can't explain, or they saw something that they can't explain. So what I like to go off of are full body apparition experiences, because that tells me that there's definitely something going on there. And I definitely want to see what's what's behind the manifestation full body apparitions like they totally freak me out um (laughs) because I've never seen it before but just like hearing yes that is the best 
that is the best thing to do is just to go based off of those accounts. People um like say that they've seen that. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, it's just yeah, to, is- to go off of that is it's is very astonishing. And you'd be surprised how many people out there have had some experiences like that. It's like so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but we love it. <laughs> yeah, we we love the weird. Mm-hmm. Do you rely on your equipment or do you like have developed some feelings or sensitivities or like gifts to the other side? Absolutely. The more I've been investigating, the more I become more open to seeing and even feeling, hearing, and sometimes even smelling things. And even though there are ghost hunting equipment out there, a majority of them are not really necessarily telling you that they're ghosts around. It's just there to record the impact of the environment. So take for an EMF, an EMF is just to record electromagnetic energy. It's pretty much the energy of the environment. And yes, there are times where ghosts can trigger that, but a lot of those devices are just there just to do just that, read the environment. But it's smart as investigators to use it as a way to communicate by telling whatever's there, hey, tap this device to make it go red or tap this device to make the light go off. But within time, I have allowed myself to just use my body as a tool. You understand it. When you go into a place, you're like, this feels icky or this doesn't feel great or something feels off or the scariest one is. I don't feel alone in this room. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I actually do feel like sometimes in my room, you kind of get that feeling of like you're being watched. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just like. And I'm sure a lot of times it could be something or it could be maybe your spirit guide. You never know. We all have one. Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you have like a favorite like tool that you use? Yes, I do. I absolutely love using an SP7 box. I feel that that is such a great way to try to communicate with what's there. I know that one of my friends has this really great device. Um, I think it's called the Geophone or the Necrophone. And Mm -hmm. the device where it's a tablet and on that tablet, you download an app and this app is pretty much like the SP7 except that it has all the white noise eliminated. So you can actually hear the voices coming through super clear. And there's been investigations where um, we've gotten some pretty clear and immediate responses on that app through that little tablet, which is really, really cool. My, my like favorite tool though is kind of like dowsing rods. Do you use those? Yes, um, I used to use them frequently but it's kind of hard because you don't know if the dowsing rods are actually reading water or um, like the wind the wind which is really hard to tell at times but I've had some pretty interesting experiences with dowsing rods I used them with um psychic Patty Negri and other um paranormal investigator Bridget Marcourt at the Dearly Departed Museum a couple of years ago and we got some pretty interesting responses using the rods yeah like using the rods like freak me out when like after I'm done using them Mm -hmm. my mom has told me a couple times like that I'll say the answer before they actually cross (laughs) yeah that's happened 
What's really cool, I like doing this as an experiment, is to grab somebody else with dowsing rods and to see if both of those rods cross simultaneously as you're asking the, the questions and receiving an answer. Um, but we noticed when Patty and I were doing those questions and um, answers in the Daily Departed Museum, we were getting, our rods were both at the same time crossing and responding to our questions, which is really cool. That is insane. Yeah, it was really insane, but it was exciting. <laughs> you have spent a lot of time at my favorite place, Heritage Square. Can you tell me about your experiences here? Oh, here. yes. <laughs> I shot a little ghost show over there. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I was asked to be interviewed at Heritage Square for a show, let's just call it about adventures with ghosts. <laughs> oh. And um, I had an experience there that was very unexplainable that Corey, the owner, um, had definitely confirmed with me, even before telling her what, what it was about, she even called it out. So um, three or four years ago, I think it was probably four years ago, I was shooting a film out of Heritage Square. We were based out of Heritage Square for two whole weeks. I costume designed a film called the mortuary collection it was a horror film and uh we were shooting the last couple of story bits out of heritage square so we've rented the entire location for two weeks and the day of move-in it was 5 30 in the morning and they were like tammy your department's going to be in the hail house and do you know where the hail house is or you remember it right yeah i've definitely yes. had such weird experiences and in i there. was like oh yes yes so i was like blink Blink, 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 blink. that house they're like yeah we're gonna put you on the second level and I remember reading how like there was some paranormal occurrences there and how they don't allow investigators to be there or they don't allow people on the second level but they had me the wardrobe based out of the second level so they placed us in the break room it looked like a break room and um immediately I felt as though the, sh the house was shocked like there's so much going on. We were moving things yeah. around. We were moving furniture around. Things were um, being relocated. So at one point when I was upstairs, I, I felt this immediate energy, like, what are you doing here? And at one point when I waited for my assistant to leave to get more stuff and I was by myself on the second level, I had to say out loud, we're just here doing a film. We're going to be here for two weeks. I really respect your space. We're going to put it back. I know it's a lot going on, but trust me, um, we are, you know, we're going to be respectful of this location. And immediately kind of like the energy subsided. But, but fast, fast forward, forward, I want to I say want to into say. the second week of mm -hmm. me working there. And I have been working out of the Hale House for almost like 10 to 12 hours a night on this film. And yes, weird things would happen. I would hear footsteps. I would hear knock. I would hear giggling, but I would always pan it to maybe it's one of the people, like the actors downstairs. Maybe it's one of the PAs, but I always felt in my gut it was something, it was something else. else. But this but one this night, night, I was in the Hale house from what I thought I was by myself. And um, I was sewing on some costumes that needed to be ready the next day. I had to tailor them. And they were across all the team. Everybody was across the way at the Octagon house. And they were shooting this big scene. 
So I had my assistants there, everybody was there, they were burning the midnight oil. And I knew I was in the Hale house by myself. I was like, I have to finish these costumes because we shoot the next morning at seven. So I have to make sure that they're ready. And as I was sewing, I had my sewing machine facing the doorway. I kept on hearing what sounded like running up and down the hallway. Oh my sounded, God. Yeah, it sounded like kids were, you know, like playing hide and go seek. They're chasing each other. It just felt like that. And every time I would look up, it would stop. And then I would go back to sewing my machine and I would hear it. And then I heard giggling to the point where it had me get up and say, hey, is there someone there? Does someone need assistance? I go outside, nothing in the hallway. I look downstairs, no one's in the house. I go on my phone, I text my assistant. I was like, hey, did anyone needed anything from wardrobe? And she said, no, we're all here. We're, we're trying to get this last scene done. So I was like, huh, okay. I go back upstairs and I go and I sew. And then I could see my like peripheral in the doorway, like it looked like a head was popping in and out of this doorway. And what was so crazy is that I noticed like it was the height of a child, like kind of being very precocious, very curious. And every time I would look up, I would kind of see it like dart back. And I just knew, I just knew like, oh, this is something else. I knew that this was definitely not something that was living. So I had to get up and say, hey, I know that you're out there. I know that you're playing games, but I'm working unless you want to come behind this table and help me sew some costumes to have them ready for tomorrow, then I'm all for that. But you have to leave me alone so I could work in peace. And just like that, it stopped. So what was even crazier is that as I was sewing, I felt like whatever was outside was now in the room with me because it was one of those moments where you, you know, your body is telling you something. Well, it was telling me that something was in that room with me and it was just watching me. So, so like, <laughs> sure, I'll help you. Yeah. It was like, no, I'm just going to watch. <laughs> it was just, I'm going to watch you. So, so when I told Corey about that incident, she was like, oh, it's those kids. It's those darn kids. <laughs> Oh my God. Words too that I can't say, but it, it seems like it paralleled with the accounts of other people. She's had, had experiences with those kids too. And I had no idea that kids were in that house because the rooms were blocked off to us. And we were told specifically, you're not allowed to go in those rooms. I respected that. But the following day, something told me to go look into one of those rooms. It was the weirdest thing. Something told me to go open one of those doors. And sure enough, when I opened one of the doors to one of those rooms on the second level, it was the children's room. It was like a room filled with children's furniture, clothing, bedding, everything. And I was like, yeah, we're going to close this. That just confirmed everything that I needed to know from yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've actually been in the upstairs when I was doing volunteer work. We were like cleaning out bins in the Perry house, but oh. then we were doing, we were like checking out the investigative stuff because I totally wanted to do that. And so we were investigating and we went, me and Corey went upstairs to the Hale house and time. Um, but just like I looked in and there's a bunch of dolls and like Lori was with me. And so she was like, oh, I like that doll. Like just weird communicating with her. Oh, I bet. 
Are there any certain ethics that you abide by as a paranormal investigator and a content creator? Absolutely. And I think they kind of go hand in hand when it comes to paranormal investigating and also being a content creator, especially within the paranormal. It's so important to understand that there are morals. There's also safety issues and also legalities that go with being a content creator and also a paranormal investigator. So it's always being respectful of people's stories, not trying to pan everything as it being a haunting or a ghost, and also to not be a fraud. <laughs> and to always ask for permission, especially as an investigator, if you're going to investigate a private property and or to pretty much be respectful to those that are living, but also those that are not living. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's certain. You don't want them to get mad. No, you don't. So uh, there are certain shows where, you know, you see certain individuals going into a dark room and they're screaming in the dark and you don't want to do that. Obviously, they're not going to want to talk to you if someone's yelling at you. And obviously, I don't want to talk to someone who's yelling at me as a living person. Yeah. So like, that is, yeah, that is so important to always keep that in mind. It's always good to have that little code of ethics in the back pocket as a paranormal investigator and content creator. What is your all-time favorite haunted location? Oh, it's a good one. It's neck and neck. Um, I just investigated the Oddfellows uh, Hospital and Orphanage in Liberty, Missouri, and that one was by far my favorite because I love Midwestern Gothic buildings. <laughs> I love a good uh, abandoned hospital. And this place had it all. It had a winery and a graveyard. And it had this oh God. haunted hospital. Yes. So the orphanage had ghost children. And then next door was the Oddfellows Hospital. And if you go on my TikTok, uh, while I was walking through, this was like at six o'clock in the evening, the sun was just go going down. So we had some sunlight. You see this like black mist behind me and it was following oh, and then it went into a dark uh, doorway and then it comes out and it goes into the hallway. And what was really interesting that after it left, it went in and out of that room and down this hallway, it went into an elevator shaft and after I shot that, I go and I speak with the rest of my team and they're like, there's something in this elevator shaft and looking through my footage, I was like, oh, there was, it was like this black mist and what a coincidence that it followed me. And then it went straight to the shaft where you guys started hearing some weird things. That is insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you could go on my page. Um, I think if you go a little bit deeper down my videos, you could find it, but it's, it's crazy to see like oh my god I actually caught something on video this time yeah I've only caught like one thing on video and that was like just orbs but it was when I was in the walker house oh wow but that's really all that I've captured oh yeah Still are a little hit and miss but I mean if they're like big balls of light then that's something like oof, that's different but that's yeah and it like literally just like floated through like through my camera oh how interesting can you please share a personal ghost story yes it's actually my first ghost story 
So uh, in New Orleans, I was working my first costume job in an old theater at a university. And I just started, this was my, I think my second or my third week. And we were gearing up for a show called Camelot. So the shop didn't have enough room for me to cut fabric. So they told me to go into the front foyer of the theater. And what a coincidence that it was literally a dreary, gray, stormy afternoon in New Orleans. And I had to be in this old theater in this university to cut fabric. And I was by myself in the front foyer. So I'm cutting fabric and it's me and another woman. And I could see in the corner of my eye, like in my peripheral, this gentleman, gentleman. who looked like he was dressed in all black standing by the staircase banister and it looked like he had his hand to his chin and he looked like he was just observing us and I just thought oh maybe it's just the lighting <laughs> um, or maybe it's just the director but every time I would look up no one would be there so my coworker had to go back to the shop to get more fabric and patterns and she left me by myself in the front foyer and I kept on cutting and I kept on seeing this man. I could see him in my mind's eye, but I could see him in my peripheral. He's just standing there watching me cut and he's dressed in all black. And I could see he has black hair and a black mustache. And I noticed that at one point the director came downstairs and went back upstairs and I was thinking maybe it was him. But then I realized, wait, he's wearing a white shirt, blue jeans and white tennis shoes. So, and he doesn't have black hair. So I finish up, it was time for lunch. I go back into the shop with the rest of the women and I told them, I asked them, hey, is the theater haunted? And immediately they say, yes. And oh my God. they're like, they kind of gave me this look like why you're asking. And I said, I thought I saw someone when I was cutting standing by the banister and I thought it was the director, but it's not. And they're like, well, what does he look like? I was like, well, he had black hair, black mustache and black like theater blacks, like what production people wear backstage. So right when I was trying to explain them the story, the props director comes in and they look at the props director and they're like, oh, Tammy saw Bob. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, who's Bob? Oh, that's the ghost of the theater. I'm like, you gave, oh my it, a God. Name. You gave it a name and his name is Bob out of all the names. <laughs> and, the, and the props director was like, yeah, that's Bob. And uh, Bob used to work here. And I'm like, what? Oh. So it turned out that Bob used to work at the theater as a lighting designer. And he actually knew the props director. And um, he had passed away years ago due to cancer. And after his passing, I want to say like six months to a year later, people started to see Bob in the lighting booth and all around the theater. And he makes himself known to newbies in the theater as a, like an introduction. And right when she was finishing the story, I was like, what did Bob look like? And without hesitation, she said, oh, black mustache, black hair. And he always wore black clothing. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done. We're done. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Bye. Just like I was like, I saw that. That is exactly who I saw. And I asked her, I was like, what do you think he was doing? Oh, he was just probably curious. He's always watching. So yeah, that was my personal ghost story with a ghost named Bob. Wow. Okay. Can you tell us about your podcast? 
Hollywood Paranormal, yes. So that is a podcast that is about true crime and paranormal set in California. We talk about anything that's weird, true crime uh, related that involves any location within the state of California, primarily Los Angeles and Hollywood. And I co-host that uh, the podcast with Bryce Mitchell Williams. And this podcast was birthed um, from a haunted location. <laughs> so Bryce and I used to work at an, at an acting school in Hollywood. And it turned out that the school was haunted. And oh, of course. School, oh, why not? And the school also was built over Charlie Chaplin's property. Like his bungalows were still there. Um, they were turned into a library. One was turned into offices. And next door was his um, former studios, which is the Jim Henson Studios. And we would constantly hear stories, research the area. And it just like was too good to be true. We were like, we have to share this. We have to do something. <laughs> so we decided let's start a podcast. That, that's a good way to start a podcast. I know. I like that. I'd rather go to Charlie Chaplin, I guess. <laughs> so. What's coming up for you next? I hear you might be on a certain ghost TV show. <laughs> yes. Um, so I have not been asked once, but twice to be uh, interviewed for two episodes of a big ghost show. Um, I guess I could say once again, it's about adventures with ghosts. And we were in two pretty big and pretty haunted areas and one in downtown Los Angeles, and I think one that you might know very, very well. So I don't know when they're going to be aired. I know that they're um, going to be airing this season, and I will be on both of them. Wow. (laughs) Yes. Well, I can't wait to see it. (laughs) Yeah, it was a really cool experience, and it was really nice to meet the people that are a part of the show and their production team, and well, I can't wait to see what they found. Please tell my listeners where they can find you on social media. Of course, you guys can find Hollyweird Paranormal on Instagram and Facebook at Hollyweird Paranormal. You can find me on TikTok. I'm under either Haunted LA Girl or Hollyweird Paranormal. And you can find us on Twitter at HWP Podcast. And you can listen to Hollyweird Paranormal Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts fix. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me again. Oh, thank you for having Hello there, I'm Ashley. And I'm Jamie. And we're the hosts of Bloodbath, a true crime podcast. We are here to keep the victims' names alive and also make fun of the bad guys in the process. Because let's be real, they deserve it. We cover all the cases. And more. Catch a new episode every Friday, wherever you get podcasts. But wait, there's more. Bye, 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 bye. You have been listening to Beyond the Gravestone. Please follow or subscribe wherever you get your audio so you never miss a new episode. You can also follow along on Instagram at Podcast by Sydney to get all the news on Beyond the Gravestone and my other podcast career quest. Thanks for listening. Bye.